You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is Stephanie. And in this episode, we are discussing episode two of season four of Orphan Black Transgressive Border Crossing. And we are going to talk about anything and everything in this episode. However, there won't be any spoilers for future episodes. So what do you think, Chris? I liked it. This one feels much more like a standard Orphan Black season premiere, which, of course, it would since last episode was mostly flashback. So here we hit the ground running with Sarah, as is usually the case, and then there's a giant fire and stuff, <laughs> which, you know, is is more how an Orphan Black season premiere goes. Yeah, it's interesting. It feels like we got two premieres almost because it this was not the first episode. But yeah, like you said, it was the first episode where the gang's all back together, you know, we have these moments where it's like, oh, there's Helena, what's she up to? Oh, there's Allison, what's she up to? Oh, there's Kasima, you know, because last episode we just got Beth and we just got Sarah. So, I mean, only Sarah in current time of our of our clone club. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it did feel like a more traditional premiere episode, even though it is actually episode two. And I liked it a lot, too. You know, we talked about how season three really opened up the world of Orphan Black bringing in all the military stuff. But I like that so far the season has felt a lot more insulated. It feels like we're back to kind of our core of the show, which I've really been enjoying. Yeah. And I think Greg mentioned on our Facebook page that this episode felt like a lot of catching up with the characters. Right. Which it is. But that's kind of what I want in a season premiere anyway. Especially Mm -hmm. since we know that time has passed since, you know, Sarah wasn't in Canada. (laughs) Yeah, we've got catching up with the characters. We have sowing the seeds of what will likely be season-long or at least partially season-long story arcs for these different characters. And yeah, I agree. So speaking of, Sarah is back home in Toronto. I'm just going to call it Toronto. They've never said it's not. They never said it is either, but I think it's fair to say it's Toronto. I'm not going to call it Clone Ronto anymore. You can if you want to, but I'm just going to call it Toronto. I had the same reaction, though, as Kasima, where she was say- telling to Sarah, I don't think coming home is the best way to run from the illusion. And I thought the exact same thing. So <laughs> <laughs> like, you just burned out a ho- house in Iceland, and now you're going back to where you are known to frequent. It doesn't seem like a smart plan. Well, I get where Sarah's coming from, right? If you keep running, you're just going to keep running. Yeah. Because it seems like if they can find you in a cabin in Iceland, <laughs> you know, where where can you possibly go where they right. won't find you? But I'm I'm curious if she's going to send Kara and or Kendall Malone and or Mrs. S elsewhere soon. Because, well, Mrs. S did have that comment about how they need to keep Kendall moving. So I think she's going to be shuffling off elsewhere, probably. But it especially seems foolish to bring all of them back to Clone Ronto. It's like, okay, Sarah, sure, she's got stuff she needs to do, but all of them? Yeah, that's fair. But but I don't want them to be split up yet. I'm I know, sentimental, I know. and I got all excited about the scenes of all four generations in one place, because I'm sappy like that. And while Sarah's relationship with Mrs. S seems to be on good step, at least for the time being, which is nice to see. We're seeing some cracks in her relationship with with Kira as well as with Felix. And I don't know, my sense with Kira this episode was that, you know, she's bummed that she separated from her dad again. Mm -hmm. 
and probably annoyed that her mother has sort of uprooted her life again. Right. And and again and again. So, yeah. Exactly. I was so sad to see them burn down that adorable little house that they were in in Iceland. Oh, it was so cute. And the little sock monkey. I know, the sock monkey burned. That made me very sad, actually. When we when we got to that piece right before the credits rolled, I made an audible little, oh. <laughs> well, and they included that in the promos, which I know you don't watch, but mm. I, was, I was watching the promos and I was like mildly traumatized by the, the image of the sock monkey catching fire. <laughs> no! Uh, it's upsetting and symbolic. Yeah. But I am curious to see how the relationship between Sarah and Kira is going to play out this season. They were largely separated last season, and I'd be for seeing them together more this season, though it, it makes sense to shuffle Kira away again to keep her safe, so I don't know exactly how the writers are going to play it. Right. Here's hoping she stays, but I would understand why she maybe wouldn't. And she was standing up a lot this episode. I was wrong in my guess. <laughs> And she is quite a bit taller. <laughs> but hey, it's been at least two months. So, <laughs> you know, kids, they grow like weeds. Has it? I missed where they said how much time it had been. Uh, something like that. Because Kendall has that line about how burning two houses within three months. Mm. So it's been like a couple of months, I guess. Okay, that's fair. So you mentioned Felix and his relationship with Sarah. And I feel like we need to talk about this because it hurts my heart. <laughs> I know. and But at the same time, I think it is a brilliant idea for a storyline for Felix mm -hmm. with the big reveal of Sarah's biological relationship to Mrs. S and Kendall Malone last season. I didn't really – it didn't occur to me how that might affect Felix, and so I'm glad that they are making this a storyline for him. Oh, it's completely logical Yeah, to do this as a storyline. Absolutely. I know a lot of people have speculated before about, you know, well, what's – Felix's story in relation to Sarah and Mrs. S and everything. So I guess we might find that out this season, possibly. Because I think a lot of us have wondered, why Felix? We understand how Sarah ended up with Mrs. S, but how did Felix end up with Mrs. S? So I'm hopeful that we'll get more insight into that. And I'd be curious to see if Felix does find his biological family or make efforts to find his biological family, if that will reveal more about his circumstances as well that we're not currently aware of. Mm -hmm. And once again, Sarah recruits Felix to infiltrate Club Neolution. And uh, I mean, I was so excited when Sarah went to Felix's loft. And it was kind of a nice reunion where she's kind of being big sistery and giving him a hard time about you know, sneaking up on him in the shower and kind of giving him a hard time. And then it's just like, oh, awkward immediately. Ugh, I know. It was ugh, not fun. Let's talk about that scene for a second, because did you notice that Felix, like, covers his nipples? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that choice of Jordan Gavaris's to have Felix <laughs> demurely cover his nipples. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway. Speaking of, it looks like Felix has been working out. His <laughs> I thought so, too. His shoulders seem like, I don't know, 10 feet wider than they were before. I don't know about 10 feet, but... <laughs> I know, I know. But they showed him from the back at first. Oh, by the way, return of Felix's bum. Got lots of screen time, Felix's bum. How did your dad feel about this? My dad hasn't seen the episode yet. Oh, he hasn't? No. Nope. Okay. I was like, You'll oh, have to he'll be excited. <laughs> You'll have to report back. <laughs> 
But yeah, they showed him from behind at first, and I actually thought it was Ari Millen for a second. I was like, really? They're going to bring Castor back in episode two? But then he turned around. I was like, oh, that's Felix. His shoulders are a lot broader than they used to be. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that amuses me. Uh, but it was nice to see that he had kept confidence with Allison. That relationship still seems to be pretty good. But it's, you know, it always makes me upset when Felix and Sarah are having fights. Yes. It causes me distress. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you two are supposed to be good. And while I think Sarah's reaction to him saying he was looking for his biological family was understandable, I still was like, oh, Sarah, no. I know. Be supportive. Me uh, too. I think she'll get there. Yeah. But it would have been nice if she'd just been there already. But but yeah, I, I get where she's coming from. Because I think yeah. part of it, too, is, you know, Sarah didn't go looking for her family. Her family history came and got her. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. as is the way of these things. But I can see how that would affect Felix, which would cause Felix to go looking. And I can see how that would then affect Sarah again. But mm-hmm. yeah. And and Sarah's family situation didn't really change because she found her biological family. And be one thing if a completely different woman swept in and was like, you know, I'm your mother now. But that's not really what happened. Kendall Malone got added to the mix, but it was more just a an affirmation of a relationship she already had with S. Right. So, it actually, if anything, I think strengthened that relationship, which, yeah. again, you can see how that might affect Felix in terms of mm-hmm. wanting to go find something like that on his own. Yeah. And not feeling like he has a place in, like, bio family world the way that he did in found family world, even though it may not feel different to Sarah, I could see how it would feel different to Felix. Right. Exactly. Which I guess also goes back to, I'm glad that he and Allison still seem close, because, mm-hmm. yeah, it hurts that he's not there with Sarah and Kendall and Mrs. S. But it was nice to see Sarah and Art working together again. Yes, and and at Fung's, of all places. Yeah, we got, we saw it in episode one, and then they brought it back in episode two, so they're back there looking at case files again. Like, I feel like they shouldn't be looking at such upsetting case files in a public restaurant, know, but maybe right? that's me. Or, like, if you're going to do that, go into the back corner booth, you know? Not by, like, a nice window where people are walking along and, oh, my God! <laughs> like, anybody could walk by in the restaurant or outside the restaurant. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like the smart thing to do, but they no. didn't ask me. And I really thought that the reunion between Sarah and Cosimo was really lovely. Like that gave me that gave me warm fuzzies. Yes. It was very sweet. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to Sarah and Helena being face to face again. And I guess there there was, you know, Sarah and Allison talk of this episode, but via Skype. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not quite as as warm and fuzzy a reunion as the one between her and Cosima. Right. Because there's hugging. Mm-hmm. You can't hug over Skype. No, it's difficult. It's Skype's greatest downfall. So Sarah's back, going back to the beginning, she says very explicitly. And we got some more flashbacks in this episode, though clearly not an intense deep dive like last week's. I'm curious if we're going to get more since the flashbacks led us up to the night where Beth killed herself. I feel like there's still room for more. Mm-hmm. Well, especially since they found the footage this mm-hmm. episode, which we'd been wondering about last episode. 
So I think the opportunity is there because it seems like we jumped a couple months ahead in the flashbacks. So yes, I feel like there's still plenty that they could explore. They could even explore them since MK is in the picture now. We could find out what MK was doing that whole time because it seems like MK has been keeping an eye on everybody. So I think that could be a useful storytelling tool. And we definitely have this hanging thread of Detective Duco. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yes, we could encounter him in present timeline. However, it feels like the flashbacks were almost set up in order to tell how that played out. And I'm curious, you know, we now we have all these questions about what we saw in the flashbacks here. Like, what was up with that key card and wig? Where did Beth go? You know, like this invites whole a whole lot of new questions. And I and I think we could get some of those answers via flashback, but they don't necessarily have to. So I'm curious if we will. Right. Like, did she kill someone? Was it Dugo that she killed? Exactly. Is exactly. that why we haven't seen him before? Yeah. And I was really trying to get a good look at that key card because I wasn't sure if it was for a hotel, if it was for a business. Mm-hmm. It had a B insignia. Didn't look familiar. It's not like it said dyad on it or something like that. I was going to say, I don't remember seeing it before, but that doesn't mean that we haven't. If anybody recognizes it or remembers it from something, let us know. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, blood on her hands. Does that mean she killed somebody or just that she encountered somebody dead? Or just wounded. Or just wounded. Good point. The fact that she was carrying a giant gun with her... Makes me suspicious, but mm, yeah, well, but yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's leading us to jump to conclusions, which maybe we shouldn't jump to. Well, but clearly they want us to. So, well, that's we'll what I'm saying. A little like, bit. Maybe they're trying to mislead <laughs> us into thinking. I'm, I'm paranoid. The show has made me paranoid. <laughs> but I, I actually, even though again, not a huge fan of flashbacks, I thought these continued to be pretty good flashbacks, and I thought that the transitions were pretty well done, especially when they used the tape to be able to transition from past to current timeline. Yeah. Though as Art was sitting there watching the surveillance tape, I was just thinking about the fact that pretty soon on that surveillance tape, there's going to be something interesting happening between Sarah and Paul on the kitchen counter. And when Stephanie says she's interesting, she means partially nude. (laughs) I mean naked. And and I'm trying to decide, like, if I would like to see art seeing that or if I just want to imagine it in my head and, like, laugh to myself. (laughs) Laugh? I'm cringing. Ah, but he'd be so uncomfortable. (laughs) But I'm just like, would that start a whole new round of Art being upset with Sarah, though? Because I don't want that. I don't think so. But maybe. Maybe I'm just uh, anticipating his uh, reaction too much, and I shouldn't be so lighthearted about it. And so since we're talking about Beth, let's talk about some feedback that we got from Paul, not Dearden. He says, nobody contacted Beth's parents to let them know she's dead. Not Art or the police department or Paul, who should have met them at some point. And Kasima never contacted her parents, even though she's on death's door a number of times. And Beth now ignores her parents, as does everybody else, when Beth is in crisis mode. Are everybody's parents dead except Allison's and Sarah's? And we just, I mean, we don't have answers to these questions. But we did get an indication in this episode that Beth is not close with her family at all, because there's that con- that conversation between Art and Sarah about the fact that her stuff is still there. Mm-hmm. And Mark makes the comment that, yeah, her family's supposed to come pick it up or something to that effect. And 
clearly no one had. Yeah, which also makes me wonder, like, where do we think they might be? Did Beth grow up in the Toronto area? Because I would think they would have come and gotten it if they lived closer, but maybe they're located somewhere else geographically and it's hard for them to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's a whole thing you'd have to plan a lot, I would think, to get any number of boxes moved from one geographic area to another. Though I will say, per their conversation, I get the hint that there's some distance there between Beth and her parents, like emotional distance, not just physical. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised, I'm just saying. In the tape that they found in Beth's apartment, I don't know if you had the same reaction I did, but when they found it, just the camera was still there and like the footage was under the dresser. I kind of feel like that should have been found before now. Is that me just being too picky? Um, I don't know. Because I mean, I feel like if that's supposed to be one of Raj's cameras, why wouldn't he have said, hey, I'm still missing a camera? Right. That's true. Also, doesn't it seem like Sarah was snooping around in season one? Mm -hmm. Like, don't you think she would have moved that painting? Yeah, I I think so, too. Didn't we see her doing something similar to that in season one? Or am I just imagining that? I I can't remember for sure. Okay. But, uh, But similarly, given the fact that, you know, that's like... Maybe this is me being super paranoid, but that's a house set up for Paul by Dyad. I don't know that they wouldn't maybe periodically sweep it for bugs. I don't know. Maybe that's me, just me being super paranoid. But <laughs> like, I why wouldn't they a- already have a camera in place somewhere where they would see Beth placing another camera? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a fair question. I mean, if they're devious enough to basically plant a human being in somebody else's life to mm-hmm. guide them and whatnot, then I don't think it's out of the question to assume they'd be doing other kinds of surveillance. We've seen them do other kinds of surveillance. Right? You know, they snuck into her house when she was supposed to be sleeping and did medical tests on on Sarah slash Beth, who they thought was Beth. Especially given the fact that, and they reiterated in this episode that that was an apartment, a, a house, whatever, that Diad set up for Paul. I don't know. For some reason, when they found that camera just still sitting there, I was kind of like, hmm, I feel like that shouldn't be there. Yeah, that's fair. I liked your idea better that they got the surveillance from MK, but oh well. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't ask you. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that footage, they found Trina in that footage. I'm wondering if we're going to see Trina again. Was Trina the source of the blood on Beth's hands? Hmm. Is that why Beth maybe committed suicide right after that mm, guilt because i don't know another innocent type person yeah. was hurt maybe maybe i just things went super dark i'm sorry mm-hmm. but that led sarah to the trail of the maggot bot is i believe what mk called it yes which is an appropriate name and that dis- that footage was even more disturbing than i think we've seen previously of the maggot bot uh, yeah yeah <laughs> No, I was just thinking, like, what we saw before was fairly disturbing. <laughs> but was, that wasn't so much of the maggot bot, it was the result of the cheek choppers, so. And and Dr. Nealon biting the little magnet, maggot out of his cheek. Right, but we didn't actually have to see the... The biting. The gore involved in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So gross. <laughs> it's so gross, and now we know that Sarah apparently has a maggot bot in her cheek, too. I'm very upset by this, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I got that from your your message that you sent me when you were watching the episode. 
I'm just they, and they didn't check Kira in this episode too. So now I got to wait a week and worry about her. I'm going to be very upset if she also has a maggot in her cheek. Yeah, same. I feel like they would check her now that Mrs. S knows why Sarah's freaking out. Right. So, I, but we didn't get to see it in this episode. I know. And I'm I know. I'm just take take a cue from me and take comfort in knowing that they are checking now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I would worry more if they weren't going to check. Okay. I mean, how are they going to get it out of there? That I don't know. And 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 because it's in there, does that mean they could, like, what is it going to do? Is it going to detonate remotely? You know, the way that it detonated in self-defense? Like, what's it going to do, Chris? Why is it in there? I don't know. Although, I mean, the fact that Dr. Nealon was able to bite the thing out of his own cheek, mm-hmm. they should be able to remove it safely. I hope so, but what if, like, what if his was, like, version 1.0 of the maggot bot, and it didn't have the self-defense mechanism built in, and hers does? Well, now you're just making up stuff intentionally to <laughs> worry about. I'm just saying, he bit his out, but in this up, in the little footage that they found, when they tried to take it out, it went all exploded. But they were trying guy. to take it out from the outside of the cheek, outside. too. You think maybe if it's removed from the inside, well, I'm just maybe it's safe. Like I don't know. Based on Doctor Nealon, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> I'll try to be calm, but I'm very upset because there seemed to be like a little bump on the inside of the cheek, right? For the people who have it, mm-hmm. that's what we saw in some of the footage. So maybe there's a way to get it out from the inside of the mouth. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up to make myself feel better. Leave me alone. (laughs) This is the difference between Stephanie and me, apparently. We're finding out now. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to piece it all together because the the paramedics had that comment in the previous episode about things went badly for bifurcated dick guy whose name I can't remember. So I'm going to call him bifurcated dick guy. I'm sorry. I mean, if you said his name, people wouldn't know who you meant until you said bifurcated (laughs) dick guy. Probably. So bifurcated dick guy, they made the comment that he tried to take it out himself and things went badly for him. BDG. Dun, dun, dun. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And we saw Dr. Nealon, who could chew his out. Clearly, the paramedics, well, I shouldn't say clearly, but, you know, it looked like they were insinuating that if the paramedics people cut it out, maybe it wouldn't explode. I don't know, because his face did not look exploded. Be be, I can't I can't do bifurcated get uh, BDG bifurcated dick guy. I can't do the acronym. Why? <laughs> I have to I have to write it down. Hang on, hang on. If I have it in front of me, I can do it. Because I'm going to call him BFG. Because anyway, right. I'm a roll doll fan. Me too. But that, I'm using <laughs> it to help me though. It's like BFG, but it's not. <laughs> But given the state of BDG's face, it didn't look like it went splody on him, but I don't know. I did close my eyes, though, at the end of the, the little video, so maybe I just didn't see that it was limited splody. Do you, did you see? Well, it wasn't so much splody as it was, like, black veiny. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know. Okay. Maybe it started to go black veiny, and then they, that's why they took that huge chunk of cheek out? I mean, I don't know. Hmm. I really don't know. And we don't know how he tried to take it out either, so. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just worried. Mm, it's understandable. 
I'm worried too, but I'm trying to, to not think about it. <laughs> and I was super worried when Sarah got cornered by the paramedics in this episode, but they let her go. Why? Yeah, after saying that it was Sarah Manning. Yes, they knew her name, but who did they think she was originally? Because I don't think they thought she was Sarah Manning, right? Well, but Sarah was there because she was supposed to meet MK there. So you think they thought she was MK? I think so. Okay. Maybe they don't even know who MK is, but maybe that's why they're trying to find her. I mean, I don't know. Back to Beth with the bloody hands. Could it have been Beth, they thought? She was Beth, maybe? Oh, wait, no. They said something about a scar, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Because MK, we think her hair is hiding that scar. Right, but Beth also had a scar behind her ear that they mentioned in season one. Well, that's true, but I thought they were looking more at her face. That's fair. I've only seen the episode once, so please forgive me if I'm a little loose on the details. Okay. I think they thought she was MK. Okay. But given that it seemed like the Neolutionists were coming after Sarah Manning at the beginning of this episode, or I guess MK said they are after Kendall Malone, but why would these paramedic people just let her go when they seemed to know she was Sarah Manning? And how did they know she was Sarah Manning? Because she had the thing in her cheek, right? But how did they know? How did they know that she would have the thing in her cheek? (laughs) Well, they were checking to see if she did. So clearly Mm -hmm. they know that Sarah got implanted with one, I'm going to assume by Dr. Neelan when she was at Dyad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that also is an indication that maybe none of the other clones have one, right? That's a good point. So that's something to hope for. People are going to listen to this in the future and laugh at how dumb we sound. After the after they watch the end of the season, they're just going to be like, "Oh, that's fine, <laughs> that's fine." No, I know. And were the paramedic people? What language were they speaking? Was that German? It's not German. I went and I looked it up because it it sounds vaguely German. And then it's like, is it Dutch? It's not Dutch. It's Afrikaans. Afrikaans. Interesting. Because I googled it. <laughs> no, I turned on closed captioning, and I'm like, what are they saying? And so I read the little closed captioning, and then I started typing in words into Google to get translations, so. Hmm. And it first gave me Dutch, and then there was, I think, whatever the second word was I Googled, it it had Afrikaans, so it's like, oh. Well, didn't the Dutch colonize South Africa? Yes. So it would make sense that there would be similarities. Exactly. Interesting. I wasn't sure because I was like, okay, that's not a Slavic language. I don't think it's Scandinavian. I thought maybe German because, and then I thought back to season three with the German speaking doctors Mm -hmm. who were operating on Rachel. But Afrikaans, interesting. Yeah. Interestingly, also, one of the words that they said that I looked up, because I think I still had it set on Dutch or something for a second, and I typed it in, and the word that came up was orphan. It translated to orphan, and I was like, but that doesn't make any sense. So then I realized that I had it on Dutch still, switched it over to Afrikaans, and it was, um, I think it was just B or something. I'm like, that's weird though, right? Yeah, that is. That it happened an, to be orphan. <laughs> an interesting coincidence. It's like, that's, that's weird. So there, there's another question, like, why are they South African? <laughs> what are they doing in Canada? I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Tell me more, show. I'm curious. I say as if they're not going to. They're going to. (laughs) So the A-plot for this episode, very upsetting. Thankfully, we had 
Well, we had an- another smaller plotline, also upsetting. But we then we had Donnie and Helena, who were <laughs> enjoyable and lighthearted. And thank you very much. And I mean, they have been every time we've seen them together before this. Even when Helena's killing mobsters for threatening babies. But <laughs> like, how is that so endearing? I don't know. But know. it was. It was. That's the comedic element of the show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but none of that happened here. They no. went They went for a prenatal checkup. And Helena has to bring up having sex with Donnie. And it's awkward and <laughs> hilarious. And oh, my God. <laughs> and she keeps calling him her boyfriend. I know. <laughs> Donnie's like. I'm her husband, because we're married. <laughs> <laughs> and, w- and what was that, like, noise that he made when the doctor was talking about, there are several positions you can still... <laughs> he made some sort of noise. I was like, really, Donnie? <laughs> it was the sound of being deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is like, I know it well. <laughs> but I, I, I was delighted to see Donnie and Helena together again. They just... they. They are a good pair. I like them together a lot. Yes. That's not to say, because I was made a little bit worried by that, like that close up of Donnie holding Helena's hand when they're getting the sonogram. I was like, no, 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 show. That better not be any indication of like budding romance between these two. No, no, no. I don't think it is. I think it was just supposed to indicate that like Donnie was excited or happy or what have you. Right. But I was like, "Mm, (laughs) I've seen such a close up before. (laughs) Which, I mean, I, I get you. I get where you're coming from, because shows do that, right? The shorthand for certain things. And yes, typically, it's the shorthand for people Feelings getting... Feelings are budding. People yeah. getting closer, usually in a romantic sense. But I think here it's getting closer in a non-romantic sense. Yes, and I hope so, because I do not want them to do that storyline. Please, no. And also just leading into Donnie being excited about babies... Which yeah. then feeds into Allison's insecurity mm-hmm. slash and jealousy. Again, this, this wasn't, I probably should have thought about it harder and suspected it, but when they put Helena into Donnie and Allison's world at the end of season three, I wasn't really thinking about the potential storylines that could come out of that as in regards to Allison's feelings toward her infertility, but makes perfect sense. And probably we're going to get some of that in this season. Mm-hmm. I think they've certainly indicated as such. It's like the lighter sweeter version of of sarah and rachel because we saw we mm-hmm. got that storyline before of rachel being deeply jealous of sarah's ability to have children and so i think we're seeing a a nicer more familial version of that now yeah perhaps and i'm curious how it'll be used to explore Dottie and allison's relationship too because i think we're going to get some of that as well mm-hmm but yeah, I do like Donnie and Helena's friendship. It seems, for me, it kind of feels like Donnie is Helena's Felix. Mm. <laughs> you know, that sort of brother, like, yeah, confidant type. Yeah, exactly. That's how I'm choosing to read it for the time being. <laughs> I think it's a fair assessment, though. Yeah, I, I do get a very big brother vibe. From Donnie toward Helena. Right. Which is nice, especially since Donnie seemed so uncertain about having her in his house before, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's nice for Donnie, it, it, as, as far as a character goes, because it's nice to see him develop a close relationship with another clone. Right. 
because, you know, Felix has been able to form these relationships with especially Allison, but also Kasima. But Donnie's relationship has primarily been with Allison. So it's nice to see another another clone sister being put in his orbit and him developing a relationship with her. Right. And they're, they are just so funny together. They are hilarious together. I She's love it. She's changed her hair, obviously. <laughs> Because, because it, it was, was too, too ugly. ugly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> I also enjoyed the doctor or nurse or whatever she Who was. Needs to work on her bedside manner. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed her reactions, though. Yes, yes. But whenever they have like a sonogram tech or whomever a doctor say things like, well, that's strange. Like, no, doctors don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't. <laughs> They shouldn't. I have never had one do that. Like, <laughs> usually there's little commentary during such procedures. But but she let out a good laugh at Helena sort of pointing at the thing. Oh, look, they're fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I thought was really sweet that she kind of imprinted her relationship with Sarah a little bit onto what she was <laughs> seeing on the screen. <laughs> yes. And they left off that scene with Helena saying something about, I need to tell my sister, so, mm-hmm. or my sestra. So I'm looking forward to that, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> but on to the, the clone subplots that made me a little misty. We got some really sweet stuff between Kasima and Mrs. S in this episode. I love it so much. I talked about it before in the promo episode that we did, or that I did. Because I was really, really looking forward to it. I don't think we've seen too much interaction between Mrs. S and Kazima. There was a little bit at the end of season three. But I'm so glad that we're getting more. Because I feel like Kazima really needs some mothering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stuff has been rough, man. Yeah. And as Paul pointed out, weirdly, Kazima's parents are nowhere to be found. (laughs) Like I understand why she wouldn't want to tell them necessarily all the clone stuff, but why she wouldn't reach out and just be like, I'm ill. I I don't quite understand, but maybe she just feels like she can't do that without bringing them into this whole situation and she's trying to keep them out of the way. Right. I mean, it seems like, yeah, you'd think that she'd reach out and maybe give them vague information for like some comfort or something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah. My girlfriend laughed or, you know, something. Yeah. But Mrs. S is there. It's true. I I would like Mrs. S to just be a mother to all the clones, and that would make me happy. I feel like she kind of is. She's becoming more and more. Yes, she calls them all chicken. I know. I love. I love Kasim's line. Don't call me chicken. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Again, with me turning on the captions because I had to make sure that is actually what she said. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what she said. It was. It was. Don't call me that. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't talk about it when we. In our discussion of the premiere, but it was an interesting choice that they didn't bring up Delphine's fate at all in 401. But here we finally have Delphine mentioned, and nobody knows what's up with her. And Kasima's super sad about it, and I legit teared up as I was watching. Oh, one of the two things that makes Stephanie cry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such an ass. I'm sorry. Um, It's okay. (laughs) But yeah, I mean... I don't think I teared up, but I i don't know. I don't know how to feel about this choice of them being in the same boat the audience is. I yeah. don't mind it in the sense that like we're in that 
situation. So it, it makes sense to have the characters in that situation too. And I don't know, from a story standpoint, it, it makes sense to me, even though I know it probably makes a lot of people very unhappy. Well, it's frustrating, right? Because we've been waiting since the end of season three, which was back in what, June of last year? That sounds right. Yeah, June of last year until until April of this year. And, you know, two episodes in and we still don't have an answer on Delphine. I understand why people are, are frustrated. I know a lot of people are were upset about the idea of Delphine being dead. But the fact that they still haven't confirmed it actually, like, gives me more hope that she's still alive. Right. I feel like if she was just going to be dead, like, they would just show us her dead body already or indicate it. But the fact that they are holding out on us, it makes me think she's probably not dead. But maybe that's just me being naive. Again, since it's Orphan Black, my feeling is it's more likely that she's alive even if they don't give us definitive proof. I, I feel like she's probably alive. And I know they keep saying to treat it as if she is dead, and I think have actually said as much as she's dead. But again, they said the same thing about Helena before season two started. So I just, I don't know. Lack of definitive proof equals probably alive to me with this show. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, we'll, we'll see. I was excited to see Kasim and Scott's new little secret lab, I guess, underneath the comic book store, Rabbit Hole Comics. The Hendrixes are getting pretty good at setting up fronts, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they said they funded it. I don't know if they mm -hmm. set it up necessarily, but but yeah. I like Scott's little detailing of, you know, oh, we got a bunch of stuff from Dyad and found a bunch of other stuff online. and Craigslist, yeah. Craigslist, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> now, am I remembering correctly or not? Was Hellwizard one of Scott's gaming buddies? I don't remember him. I, I don't think he was. Okay. I could be wrong, but I don't remember that actor. And I should have known as soon as he said his name was Hellwizard that they were on top of Kasima and Scott's secret hideout. Like, I should have known. <laughs> but I, I took them going downstairs and seeing, I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> of course, it's one of Scott and Kasima's friends. <laughs> Why did you think they were in a comic book shop otherwise? I don't know. Pick up the latest issue of Orphan Books. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But I was super excited to see Scott. I'm always excited to see Josh Bokey. Me too. Love that guy. And he was got sworn to secrecy about Kendall's leukemia. Poor Scott. I, I know. That's not fair, Kendall. Scott's too sweet. I know. Like, in a way, she has a point that she should have some confidentiality about her medical condition. However, right. Scott isn't actually a doctor. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> He's not true. treating her for anything. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm curious because they, you know, she said she had leukemia. And is that potentially going to compromise the efficacy of the gene therapy that they're trying to develop for Kasima? Mm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know enough about sciencey stuff to know if that's even a thing I should worry about, but I did have that thought. I wouldn't think so, but I am also not a sciencey person, and therefore I have no idea. Not to be all like, oh, Kendall's leukemia, how does that affect Kasima? But anyway. <laughs> That is that we is what you're saying. <laughs> I know, but we don't know Kendall very well, so I'm not super attached to her yet. <laughs> I'll mourn your loss, Kendall, even if Stephanie won't. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is the nice one. 
Uh, but I like the little interaction with Kasima and Kendall, too, where Kasima's like, nice to take your blood again, Kendall. <laughs> it was nerdy and charming. Speaking of rabbit hole comics, clearly a reference to Alice in Wonderland. I'm trying to remember if they have referenced, or excuse me, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, I think is, tech- is the technical title, something like that. Have they referenced this before, or is this a new reference for them? I think it's a new reference for the season. They've been mentioning it in the promos Mm. a bit. Okay. Because I was thinking about the fact that in the comic books, in the first five issues, there's a reference to The Wizard of Oz. And both of those books have kind of a similar setup of a young female protagonist entering a new fantastical world and kind of going on a journey. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, Orphan Black loves its literary references, and I was just kind of pondering pondering the potential implications of that. I have no idea. <laughs> I have nothing worthwhile to add. I'm sorry. Good follow-up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about MK? Oh, MK made me misty, too. Yeah, same. And that scene where Beth was telling her to go away and go back into hiding... I felt so bad for her. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so clear that she's reaching out to Beth, which mm-hmm. I think it's also been pretty clear from what we've seen before. Like, that's not something she does a lot. So it's extra painful. Yeah. She's had a very small amount of screen time so far. But I think even from the little bit we saw of her last episode, her fondness for Beth and her otherwise awkwardness around people, I think, was pretty clear. So to see her be pushed away by Beth in this episode was, was made me very sad for her. Me too, yeah. My heart hurts. And I'm again struck by how how much Tatiana Maslany can alter the way that she speaks. And it's just amazing to me. And I'm not just talking about accents. I'm talking about she changes her speech pattern mm-hmm. for each of these people. And it's just kind of amazing to think about. I forget now what the line was, but there's a specific line in here, I think it's by MK, when I actually thought, oh, she kind of sounds like one of the other characters here. <laughs> I forget what it was now, but I don't know. The fact that it stuck out to me as sounding like one of the other characters. Not to say it didn't sound like MK, but you know what I'm saying, right? It reminded you. No, I, I agree. Like, Beth had a line in this in this episode that kind of reminded me of Kasima. It That happens sometimes, but most of the time, it's if I stop and I think about it, I realize how distinct each clone speaks, and it's just really interesting to me. Right. But I mean, even those moments, the fact that they stand out sort of signifies, in my mind, just how good she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, while the flashback scene sort of emphasized her attachment to Beth and her loneliness, I thought the present day scene really showed just how paranoid she is and how justifiably paranoid she is. Yeah. Because we saw it last episode. But yeah, it's, I think if anything, I was going to say if anything, it's worse now, but I don't know that it is worse than it was when she was talking to Beth before. I think we see a similar level last episode. I think Beth wanted her to be less paranoid, and and maybe that's partially why MK was so hurt, was that she let down her paranoid guard a little bit around Beth. You know, she took off the mask. She actually met with her in person at the trailer. Mm -hmm. And the way that we see her interacting with Sarah here, it's much more similar to how we see her try to interact with Beth. 
at the beginning of 401, where she's, you know, in the remote location and sending a video feed of herself to her trailer to actually talk to Beth. Right. Yeah, that's quite the haunting image of Sarah running out of the laundromat and seeing MK drive away with her sheet mask on. Mm. I had a moment. I, I <laughs> Mostly I was very much absorbed by this episode, but I had a moment where MK asked Sarah to put her phone in a dryer. And I was like, she just got that phone. Are you going to have her ruined? <laughs> she <laughs> so didn't say I put it happy. in a washer, Stephanie. <laughs> I, well, I thought she meant put it in a dryer and start the dryer. Mm. But I, so I was glad when she just had to put it in a dryer and close the door. It's like, okay, whew, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like to waste things, Chris. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm with you. I actually had that thought briefly too, but then it's like, oh, she means a non-working dryer. It's fine. Yes, one of the new purple clone phones. Why do you think she had her take off her shoes and put them where she could see them? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious about about that detail. Though I was happy to see that Sarah's no longer has those like studded tops to her boots. I didn't like those from from was it last season or season two? I don't remember. I can't remember either. I know she had them in season two. I I don't remember what she was wearing last season. I think she still had them last it season. It seems like she did, at least in the beginning. So, but I was glad that she didn't have those studded ones anymore. Not a fan. I like these better. I do too. I actually think these are the fancier versions because. If I'm remembering correctly, I saw somewhere that the ones she had before were fry boots. And so I'm pretty sure they actually have that same pattern, but in a like fancier, softer, more expensive leather. Mm. For, you know. Possible. So, same design. So I think it is. I think it's basically the same thing, but fancier. That's useless information, but now you know it. <laughs> Since we're talking about wardrobe, whenever I see Detective Duco, I'm just, I, I just think like, when did my father's glasses become popular again? I swear he has had <laughs> the same frames since like, since I can remember, probably since I was born, maybe since like 1978. I don't know. They're really old and he just replaces the lenses, but they're like the exact same style that the Duco guy was wearing. Hmm. Like, why is he wearing my dad's glasses? This is weird. Doesn't it also seem like Duco's jacket's kind of like a 70s, 80s era tweed? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of seems a little out of his time. Hmm. Speaking of that, that actor, I I realized today was in an episode of Lost Girl. He played the the Doctor Snook in in Memoriam. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to go look. When I first saw him, I thought he kind of looked like when he, since he's all bearded and stuff. I'm like, is that Steve Carell? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> he does look a little bit like him though, a beardy Steve Carell. Didn't didn't occur to me, but okay. So we got a couple of mentions of Cal in this episode, and I'm still super curious if we're actually going to see him at all this season. Yeah, because I think Sarah says something about how he's out of the country or something mm-hmm. when they're getting ready to flee what we've been assuming is Iceland. Mm-hmm. Someplace cold. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him, but... Yeah. But now I, I'm just like, how are they going to get a message to him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're Okay. Probably they've come up with a plan for such occasions. However, I want to be reassured that Cal knows that they're okay in the next episode. Please, writers, please. I suppose if they manage to make friends with MK, they can hacker talk to each other. <laughs> that's that's what they call it professionally, hacker talk. <laughs> As I said it, I'm like, everybody who knows about computers is just mocking me now. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> 
that's a good point because that's that was a skill set that Cal brought in season two. So now MK is here to provide the the hackery things, the hacker talk, yeah, <laughs> the hacker talk and the hacker stuff and the hacking. <laughs> as long as she doesn't call herself a hacktivist, I'm good. <laughs> Opposed to that phrase, are you? Oh, I think it's so pretentious. <laughs> that's a portman. No, thank you very much. <laughs> One last thought that I had was when we saw that Beth was getting ready to go wherever she went and then came back with bloody hands, that sequence where she was not so much when she was putting on her makeup in the mirror, but when she then like leaned really close into her bathroom mirror, I think that was, if not the same shot, a very similar kind of framing and shot that they used in episode uh, 101, Natural Selection, when Sarah was getting ready to go pretend to be Beth. Which I did also mention in the promo episode that I did without you. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, I'm I'm just letting you know that the reason I'm not agreeing with you now is because I agreed with you two weeks ago. <laughs> We'd love to hear your feedback about episode 402 as well as about this episode of the podcast. If you haven't noticed, we're doing a slightly different recording schedule than we did for for season three. Instead of doing a first impressions episode and then a longer episode, we're just doing one episode to talk about the the episode of Orphan Black. So generally, I, I think if you want to get feedback to us, we'd, we'd love to include it. But if you want to get some feedback included in the episode, send it to us by when's a good time, Chris, like Friday evening, Saturday morning ish. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say try for Friday evening, but if it has to be Saturday morning, we can probably still incorporate. So yeah, but we really do like including listener feedback in in our episodes. So please send us some thoughts if you if you have them. To leave us feedback about this episode, go to tatianaiseveryone.com slash 101. You can send us email feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. We really like getting voice messages. You can do that in a couple ways. You can record a voice memo on your smartphone and email that to us. Or you can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. We are on Twitter at TIE Podcast, and we are also on Facebook. And Tatiana is Everyone is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. We have podcasts for Lost Girl and Killjoys and a couple of other things. We just started a new one recently called Finalysis, in which we're currently covering The Hundred and Winona Earp. You can find all of those at AskGenreTV.com. And in this episode, BDG was played by Tatiana Maslany. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.